Hello, everyone, and welcome to After the Plot, the podcast that brings you the stories you didn't know you didn't know. I'm your host and lead anchor, Good Job Lacey. On today's episode, we take a closer look at the secret world of chess. While the game may have been played in various formats throughout the world since the 8th century, the romanticized version we know today has been around since about the 1500s. It is a game which requires both tactics and strategy, which Major Forrest E. Morgan differentiates in his book Living the Martial Way by writing, Strategy consists of the general or broad brush plans for fighting, developed according to the beliefs of a chosen doctrine. Tactics, on the other hand, are the specific techniques and maneuvers to carry those plans out. While a proficient chess player will not only need to read the board in front of her, but also be able to predict her opponent's moves two, three, or even four steps ahead, the true nature of the game is not that simple. The need to constantly be looking forward into the future overshadows some of the more humanistic plights of the game. In other words, we should be mindful of the future, but not at the expense of the moment. If you're listening to this, you've probably played chess at least once, or at very least know about the game. You may think of it as a cold, calculating game. And you'd be right. But that's not the end of the story. It is a game with a rich cultural background and a humanity which has been lost over the centuries. In order to bring some of the humanity back to the game, I visited a local chessboard and looked for some of the stories you didn't know you didn't know about the ancient game of kings and commoners. Part 1. Busy Knights One of the first mistakes people make about chess is that thinking there are only two sides, usually black or white, or maybe sometimes beige and brown, depending on if you had a wooden set. But actually, it's much more complex than that. Chess pieces have their own distinct personalities, and so factions within sides can lead to some interesting alignments. Take, for example, these two queens. So I'm going to walk away because I need to calm down because bitches in here is mother me and I'm ready to pop the f off because you're gonna say you call me arrogant and like you don't like me, bitch. You don't know me from a mother hole in the wall, bitches, all right? So I suggest, I'm not gonna be too I many suggest yes, the hell you, you are, right one. yes, the hell I'm you are, baby. In order to like gain said, more insight into the chess the community and paint an honest like picture, I decided to start with what I knew the rules and how the different pieces were allowed to move. I wanted to see if there really was a reason that pieces who move differently couldn't still get along. After calling a few contacts in the gaming community, I found a couple of knights at a farmer's market. The two of them ran a small cheese kiosk. Its name yes, yes, was the see, Grunewald Defense. It is because of the fat content in the whale milk itself that cheese tastes like that. You see, if it is above 80% fat content, it, uh, it just holds together in a much more solid state. And mm -hmm. if you have that, mm -hmm. you can blend it with many other things, huh. leading to whale cheese confectionaries of the type that you cannot even imagine. Um, so yeah, can, can the two of you tell me your names? Gartholomew the Brown. And how about you? Half Yard the Beige. And you guys are both knights, right? Yes, I'm... How, how could you even doubt it? And so, uh, you guys are all about moving up to and over one, right? Yes, of course. Up to and over one. Ah, uh, but don't forget over two and up one. Of course, how could I forget the versatile Smithfield maneuver? 
then of course there is the famous Harrington cutback. There, what, what is that? Over one and up two. Isn't, isn't that the same as up two and over one? <laughs> you are a child. I don't get it. Clearly you are not vested in the ways of battle in order to serve the king. For the king. For the king. Yeah, for the king. So, um, can you two guys help me understand a little about what things are like these days for, for chess pieces? Uh, you know, with the pandemic and everything. Well, it is like my great-great-grand knight, Bedivere the Black, used to say before he was struck down by a horrible white bishop. It's always good to have a pawn or two on your flank. What my friend is trying to say is that the only way to survive is to work together. It's what I said. That is what we knights try to do. But the same cannot be said for all the pieces. Apparently, rooks and bishops don't get along well and haven't done so for quite a while. If you ever see two of them together, they aren't doing anything constructive. Yes, they actually keep apart from each other. And we just don't understand why they can't get along. Neither side can see that they are more alike than they think. What do you mean? Well, they can both only go in a straight line. No turns. No strategy. Not like a good two back and one cross. Indeed, or the elusive one back and two across. For the king! For the king! Part two. Righteous Rooks and Brazen Bishops In order to better understand this sectarian conflict amongst the Rooks and Bishops, I went looking for one. What could cause them to disagree so vehemently? I mean, this is just a game, after all. If what the Knights told me was true, then the division between these two pieces was rooted in their ethnogeographic patterns. And this truly struck me as odd, because where a rook might move between white and black squares multiple times over its lifespan, a black square bishop would never be caught dead on a white square, and vice versa. So it seemed more logical that a division within the bishops would be more likely than between the two different pieces. I kept looking for answers. Soon I found a rook who recently had castled with his king. He was preaching to a group of pawns nearby. Now some pieces may try to get you to choose the diagonal lifestyle, but I know from the Hoyle word that salvation only, I say only, lies on the path of the straight and narrow. And one may, I say, one may find the clearing at the end of the path Excuse only me. through their service to the king and his Hoyle Pardon word. Me. Excuse me. Um, hi. Uh, could, I, could I speak with you for a moment? Oh, uh, well, upon my word, it appears to be another lost pawn. Uh, not exactly. Uh, my name is Good Job Lacey with After the Plot. I was wondering if, if you might have a few moments to speak with me to give me your take on the, the strife between rooks and bishops on the chessboard here. Ah, the miss, I say the misguided zigzaggers. Why, I'd certainly be happy to pause my menstruations in order to educate another lost pawn on the follies and foi, I say foibles of the misguided pointy brothers. Do you, do you mean ministrations? That's what I said. You got corn in your ears, boy? So, uh, what, what can you tell me about the, the similarities and differences between the two of you? 
Well, I must say I would be hard-pressed, even in a dire circumstance, as to be able to identify a similarity between myself and those fellow pieces. But where members of the more faithful and dedicated know that the only way to win the game is by utilizing moves of a nature which is parallel, I say parallel, or perhaps perpendicular to the borders of our world, these pointy hat-wearing, crook-using, overdressed sons of a so-and-so who call themselves bishops wouldn't be caught dead moving in such a righteous fashion. You mean because they can only move diagonally? More like diabolically, if you ask me, Mr. Goodjob. Now, this sentiment from the Rook didn't really make sense to me. I mean, sure, these guys have their differences, but at the end of the day, they both can go in straight lines in order to protect their king. Or in order to get a checkmate. Heck, I mean, at most, they only differ by 45 degrees. So what was keeping the Rooks and Bishops at odds with each other? I asked Gartholomew and Halfjorg. Yeah, you wouldn't believe the drama between these two. Sometimes, I just have to stand there for ages, waiting for pawns to get out of the way, stuck between some childish rooks and bishops. I asked if they knew where I might find a bishop to speak with, to make sure I was getting both sides of the story you didn't know you didn't know. Ha. Ha ha ha. Good luck with that. I am in stages. You might check with the backgammon tiles on the other side of the board. They're sure to know where the bishops are parked this week. The Law Offices of Better, 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 and Better. Are you a victim of N Passant? If so, don't wait. Pick up the phone and give us a call. The Law Offices of Better, 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 and Better. Listen to the sad story of a nearby knight who fell victim to N Passant. Yes, I was just minding my own business when this little pawn passed me. I figured him for gone, but then all of a sudden I heard somebody shout, Hey, buddy! And before I knew it, I was out of the game. Don't let this happen to you. The law offices of better, 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 and better, 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 my name is Xavier Better. Back when I was a little better, I remember going fish with my old grandpa Better, and he always used to say, Xavier Better, remember that life isn't a game. And then I'd always say, do you have any sevens? And he'd say, go fish. The law offices of Better, 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 Better. The point is, don't let the pawns make a pawn out of you. If you or a family member is a recent victim of N percent, don't wait. Pick up the phone and give me a call. The law After venturing to the opposite side of the board, I ran across a backgammon reservation, just like the knights said I would. 
a couple of backgammon pieces told me where I might be able to find a bishop encampment. Apparently, the bishops never stayed in one spot for too long, and were always traveling across the board. A small caravan of them had passed through just a few days ago, and were sure to be in the area. One of the backgammon pieces even had a phone number to call for setting up a meeting. I thanked them and continued on my way. After several more hours and a few phone calls, I finally found them. About a dozen pointy-headed bishops milling about, cooking and cleaning and carrying on in their encampment. Several of them greeted me as I parked the car. Hi, I'm Good Job Lacey with After the Plot. I spoke with you on the phone. Ah, oh, well, good day to you, of course, Mr. Goodjob. Thanks for being willing to add to my story for the podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure enough, be willing to tell you. <laughs> been living here for half a score set of game. Seen a lot of coming and going. Been privy to a good bit of zigging and zagging. I'm sorry, of what? Zigging and zagging. Uh, oh. Seen myself a couple of checkmates me time, so I have. So what do you like most about being a bishop? I'll focus off on one thing and never see it coming out, do they? Always bouncing off the side of the board, so I am. Any advice for up-and-coming chess pieces? Uh, always remember to believe in yourself. Give you a player don't know the first fucking thing about chess. One time I got a corner. Caught a picking out of a jingle for all of the if it was. And what about rooks? And what about the bloody castles? Ice preaching away about direction to go. Never about giving anyone any choice or nothing. But don't you guys only go diagonally as well? By whose standards are you talking, lad? Well, maybe it's just us that's going to fly and it's the world's diagonal. Did you ever consider that little fact to put in your podcast? In what? Your, your podcast. podcast. Oh. But when you really get down to the heart of the matter, Mr. Goodjob, the rooks say they don't ever see eye to eye with a group of honest, hard-working, simple bishops. Not when they like to fancy themselves as one of the king's favorites. Just because they get to move at the same time as a king. Part 3. King Me. What? What do you mean, wrong game? Oh. So it seemed that I was beginning to get to the bottom of this age-old strife between rooks and bishops, whereas the rooks held on to an almost religious fervor regarding the differences in how the two pieces moved. The bishops, on the other hand, saw the conflict arising out of a social caste system, where rooks were perceived to see themselves as closer to the king and thereby closer to God, simply because they were allowed to castle. In order to better understand this perceived hierarchy as put forth by the bishops, I began looking for a king to speak with. As the game was still ongoing, I had to assume they were both still alive, each leading their forces in an epic battle between the opposing side. Would one of them even have time to speak with me? And if so, what could I expect to see when I met one of the two most important and heavily guarded pieces in the entire game? Surprisingly enough, I found both kings together having a small garden tea party. They sipped tea from golden cups and dabbed their mouths with $50 bills in between bites of cucumber sandwiches. I was allowed to speak with them, albeit from a distance. It's just that I'm not comfortable with anyone getting too close to me, you understand? Yes, you know how we get. <laughs> Indeed. So, your highnesses, what can you tell me about the ongoing strife between the, the rooks and bishops? 
Are the two of you worried at all? Oh yes, terribly oh. worried. I think it's simply reprehensible that they don't get along, don't you? Oh well, yes, of course, it's a pure travesty. Yes, but nothing like what we go through. Oh no, nothing at all, no. The weight of responsibility. Defending all those around us. Well, what do you mean by that? The pawns, my good man. All the suffering we go through. It's all for the pawns. Yes, of course, we do it all for the pawns. Speaking of, didn't you take one of my pawns yesterday? Well, if I did, it certainly wasn't my fault. You know how I get. Oh, but of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> My queen is sleeping with a pawn, I just know. Stars. So what have you got for us today, buddy? Hey, buddy, you're not going to believe it. Discovered treasure? An original brocade set from the Queen of Hearts. Or just junk. Listen, buddy, this is a set of old bocce balls. But for a surprise find... Whoa! Buddy! buddy. They'll need to call in the expert. I'm the expert. To make the deal. And as for the authenticity of this Monopoly thimble... 40,000? Whoa! Whoa! On an all-new Pawn Stars. Part 4. Squares of Rage. So I went looking for some pawns, to see if they had the story I didn't know I didn't know. While I searched, I thought about the struggles faced by the chess pieces, and how they really weren't that different from the struggles faced by people like you or me. While a game of chess might be a big part of their life, they certainly didn't consider life itself to be a game. I found myself hoping that the knights would be successful in their cheesemongering. And I truly hoped that the rooks and bishops found a way to see past their differences in direction and come together, knowing that we are all just trying to do our best to win. But as I moved towards the pawns part of the board, my hope began to diminish. Clear signs of pawn gang violence manifested in the wake of a crumbling infrastructure and a clear lack of long-term investment by either state or local entities. There were no parks or museums here, no cafes or libraries. Nothing about this place felt like it was a community. This was a desolate wasteland, the forefront of an ever-changing urban battlefield between opposing sides, everyone too afraid to come out and too intimidated to do anything about it. With the supporting buttresses of a community knocked out from their moorings, what could one expect these pieces to do? There was no future here, no benevolent hand of the kings protecting or providing for them. They were deemed to be without value, cannon fodder to be ground up in the ever-moving industrial machine, like pawns in chess. Hey, come here. Come here. 
Look. Look what I did. You see it? No, yeah. Right, because of the, the pump. Okay. Yeah, so this fucking beige pond. He was coming straight for me the other day. Like, right up to me. So, so you know what I says to him? What do you say to him, buddy? I says to this buddy, I says, Hey, buddy, who do you think you are? One of my buddies, buddy? Eh, one of his buddies, he says. Hey, yeah, he called him a buddy. <laughs> so he's coming straight for me, and we square off, because I tell you one thing, buddy, I don't fucking budge for no peace nowhere. No pawn, no bishop, no rook, not nowhere, not nobody. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I heard. I never budge for nobody. Well now, look at what we got here. A couple of city slicker white pawns. What do you make of that, pal? I don't know, pal. Let's ask our other pals. Hey, pal, what do you think of these buddies? Now look at those buddies over there. They don't look like nothing, pal. Listen, I ain't your fucking buddy pal. Yeah, I ain't your fucking buddy pal. None of us is your fucking buddy pal. Yeah, we're not your buddies. Well, why don't you start something about it, pal? We're standing right here. Oh. Hey, listen here, buddy. You're lucky none of you sorry sons of bitches are standing diagonally to me. If it weren't for the fact that you're all standing directly in front of me, why, I oughta... Hey, get him, buddy! Gotta get those buddies over there. What are you guys gonna do, pal? Be a little buddy about it? I think the farmer and the cowman should be playing. What if we all work together? Shut up now, Mordecai. Shut up, Mordecai. Hey, you guys be nice to Mordecai. He's one of my buddies. I ain't your buddy, pal. What? Mordecai? You piece of shit. Oh, you got a good buddy. Hey, this pal over here. I ain't your fucking pal, buddy. I'm also here. Who's your buddy, buddy? I dropped my contact. Can anybody help me find it? Who, who's talking about pals when you only got buddies? You can't be my buddy. I ain't no pal, pal. But buddy, wait. I, I don't forgot which one we are. Which one are we? Part 5. Checkmate. So in the end, I don't know if I succeeded. Did we look to the game of chess as an example of hope and redemption in these troubled times? Indeed we did. Could we find parallels to draw between our own perceived self-importance and the plight of some poor pieces of an old board game? We certainly could. But what then? What comes next? Do we resign ourselves to the rules simply because that's the way they are? In other words, do we take comfort in the fact that the reality we build around ourselves is both affected and reflected in the games we play? Or is it the other way around? Do we build our own rules around the life we want to live? I guess at the end of the day, the question it all comes down to is this. Are we playing the game? Or are we simply the pieces? After the Plot is produced by Brent and Nolan Lacey. Additional talent was provided by David Hallman. Brent Lacey edits the show. Our theme music was composed by Jared Bookbinder. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod. 
Techno Syndrome is produced by Oliver Adams and licensed by Virgin Records. Bare Knuckle was produced by Yuzo Koshiro and licensed by GMO Records. Sound effects were provided courtesy of freesound.org. After the Plot is a production of Final Plank Media.